can you hear this? And Andy's editing this one as well. Where's the Christmas music? Can you hear that? Where's the Christmas music? Well, it's definitely a Christmas episode when we're all arguing. It's Christmas time. Hi, everyone. It's the Christmas episode of This Is HCD and Talking Shop. Hello, everyone. We've got John, Karen. Hi, John. Hello, Andy. And we've got Adrian Adrian Tan. Hello. Hello. And we've got you, Jerry. He just keeps talking over me all the time, (laughs) as ever. For people who don't know, Andy's in Germany. I'm in Ireland. John is in South London. And uh, the wonderful Adrian Tan is in Sydney. So it is a real cross. Burning Sydney. Yeah, Burning how's the smoke? Sydney. How's the smoke doing? Oh, that's better today, but it's shocking. We'll yeah. edit out the coughing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read this morning it's going to be fifty degrees down in South Australia on next Tuesday, Christmas Eve. Oh, I've experienced fifty degrees actually in in um, in South Australia. You have. Yeah, which stupidly I sort of drove through the centre in summer. Wow. Ooh. With wine in the car. Oh. Nice. Oh, my God. It was more wine by the time pop. you got there. No, we put it all in eskies and then all the labels came off oh. in the ice because the ice melted. And so we just had to, to drink yeah. clean skins, as they say. So for anyone listening in Australia, like we're, you know, especially in New South Wales and Queensland, we're definitely thinking of you this year because I know it's been a tough one with the fires. Um, so hopefully, you know, we pray for rain and everything is everyone is safe. Um, John, how's it going for you over in London? It's very nice. I was actually born in Australia. In, in, you are, that's in, correct. In, in, in Sydney. That. Yeah. I left, I left, I can tell from the accent. I left Sydney when I was one, so I don't really remember much of it, but, um. God, you're very young to be flying on your own. I know. I know. I flew the airplane <laughs> as well. Um, but so I haven't experienced 50 degrees, although I'm sure he's also a hip hop artist. So I'm sure kind of, yeah. Um. I'm just picturing a one-year-old John Curran getting on a Qantas flight. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's been a busy year. You know, we're now at episode 80, I think I saw last night, um, you know, that we've released. But there's there's 90-something, um, you know, in Dropbox, in our can, so to speak, that's been ready to go and be published. It's been very busy this year. Um, but I guess, what, what are you, what's your, all your been favorite episodes? we've that we've released this year it had to be my conversation with ben crothers i thought that was fun there was some serious uh chemistry going on in that episode and you know well good good chemistry <laughs> not that kind of chemistry yeah well i i enjoyed chatting to him because it was nice to bring together i guess a design perspective and a product perspective and a, yeah. and and also find out that really we're very similar kinds of folks yeah. thinking the same things, trying to do the same things. Um, so that was that was good. And I think that really kind of demonstrate the intent of what you're trying to do, which is bring all these different pers- what is seemingly disparate kind of professions together. But at the heart of it all, I think we're just trying to do the best, you know, the best things for our business, best things for our customers, best things for our team. Yeah, it was a good one. I, I definitely, um, res- a lot of the stuff that Ben was talking about resonated. Um, and I could see it. There was a, there's a lot more similarity in um, the objectives that Ben was trying to meet at Atlassian and what you're trying to do with, as a product manager. There was a lot of crossover there. So I think that's why it, it resonated so. And w- look, what was really interesting was that he was um, very, you know, interested in exploring products that are kind of already in market because a lot of focus these days are all about building something brand new constantly in that kind of delivery development mode Um, and he you know we spoke about the management of products that are already in market that we've invested so much money in putting these products to market that there needs to be you know time to nurture what we've already created which is something we all forget to do, product and design. Yeah, no, it was it was a good episode. Andy, what was your favourite episode? Well, of my own ones, I don't know. That's hard to say, right? I love all my children equally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed all talking to all my guests actually this uh, this year. I um, I, I think the the kind of long one with Joe McLeod, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, particularly because I guess I I've been thinking about the whole sort of ends thing for quite a long time too. And he just put it together so well. 
my favorite, you know, I do this sort of one small thing thing at the end. My favorite one of those was from Anne Galloway and her thing that she said, uh, glass slaughterhouses would change our relationship to, to meat, which I guess it would. Yeah. Um, then I think, um, I really enjoyed the episode with Georgie Smallwood, um, from N26, but I partly because I'm a customer. So it was good to give that mm. kind of, um, get that inside view I know Georgie. Uh, and perspective. You introduced me to Georgie, Adrian. Yeah. It was yeah. Yeah, in Stockholm. And I really, uh, I thought Kate Dawson's one about redesigning how we educate and communicate sexual education was really good because it's a subject that's otherwise just. It's a taboo. You know, taboo or reduces people to giggles. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to just go through a few, so I don't have a single one. Um, I actually, I really liked the um, unpacking NPS with Nick uh, Costa, yeah. Adrian, because I, <laughs> that was it's so such funny. a kind of, yeah. it's such a kind of common thing, you know, and it was really good to kind of go deep into that. Um, and then um, I enjoyed Leticia Mimou, Mimou, um, because I just, I'd found that whole in between states and that kind of liminal. I think really interesting. And um, so also Joanne Bichard's one about the public yeah. toilets as cultural spaces. Yeah, and no, I definitely, from, from John. Um, some of the ones that Andy just mentioned there, like, again, I don't have a favorite one this year that I've recorded. Um, I had some really fantastic conversations though, over the last year, Kim Goodwin and Dana Chisnover. They're two of my design heroes, I suppose, that um, I'd been looking forward to for a while to try and get them on the podcast and I was delighted to finally do so but Kate Dawson was um was remarkable and uh I really enjoyed the different perspectives and it was very pragmatic because it was outside of design they're the kind of conversations that I I tend to enjoy the most it's that other perspective as opposed to preaching to the choir getting into the the nuts and bolts of of where design actually meets the road the rubber meets the road so to speak um I, I love Ben's Ben Crothers episode with Adrian. Um, uh, I've crossed paths with Ben numerous times over the years, but it's been like sliding doors. We've never actually met. So next time I'm in Sydney, I, I'd definitely love to try and catch up with Ben because he's doing some interesting work at Atlassian. But like, you know, in the, in the last year, there's been, there's been so many um, new additions to the podcast, like Andy and John joining the, the sort of crew. It's been fantastic to have all those other perspectives, like Andy's background and, service design you know his time with um you know in academia has, has all led to like deeper and richer conversations and john coming in you know has added this extra layer of um perspective to the importance of anthropology and that anthropological mindset to allow us as a design community to get deeper into the understanding which is critical and it's it, to me it's it's something that it's going to be included in my look, looking star band we're going to talk about that in a minute what we're going to see in the future John, what about you? Um, you mentioned probably most of them. I, I think the Kate Dawson one, yeah, for that reason of it being outside the kind of defined boundaries maybe of the design world, um, but also that thing about, and as us anthropologists enjoy doing, is exploring taboo and social and cultural taboo. taboo. So yeah. the idea of sex and pornography as a kind of cultural marker is very interesting, I thought. Yeah. Um, I've also actually I've really enjoyed actually the talking shop with the two of you and I'm not I'm not because it's like it's like the scene one of you um, <laughs> it's like stereo. no I, you know, I think I know on, on a serious note I think that the format's really good I think it's it's nice how it's it's quite short but it's it's it brings together just current thinking in the way you discuss it I remember I was I was running some innovation workshops in Brussels a few months ago and I was able to go for a run and I was listening to it whilst on my run and I realized I was able to run my usual 100 meters uh without any pain uh because I was listening to you so oh, no good. but it, it so but I've, I've I did actually find myself on that run kind of really enjoying the the the, the, the dynamics of it but also then Andy you coming in with the books that you're reading um, and that definitely, um, and the host or the guy who presents it is, uh, anyway, so, but Andy, your stuff there is fantastic. I think we get some t-shirts. Yeah. Um, the talking shop makes you run faster. Yeah. There you go. Um, th- but then you, Andy, you mentioned also Joanne Bichard, who's professor of, uh, professor of design and also she's also a design anthropologist at the RCA. And when we talked about public toilets, not just from a design perspective and jo- jo- Joanne 
Bishard, she did a PhD at the at um Barclay at Barclays, which is the architect school at UCL, I think. And um so this idea of anthropology, architecture, design coming together, mm. she's encapsulated that. And what what was really good about that episode was you look at something like the design of a public toilet, and then you 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 use that as the microcosm of more societal cultural meaning. So you're mm. designing for gender, but you're not just designing for biological gender, the meaning and symbolism of gender. And that's kind of something I do a lot of work with, with within architects firms is about what are you actually designing for and how many stories are you going to create even unknowingly from that design. And I thought that, that what she was talking about was, was, was excellent in that. So, mm. yeah, it's been a good year. Nice. Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely. And there's a few other things like Andy alluded to there, like, oh, we need to get a T-shirt. The talking shop makes you run faster. <laughs> Only yesterday I launched the, the first store for This Is ATD. And it's it's kind of a, a sign of things to come in 2020, especially with the conference and all those pieces. But maybe we will do a T-shirt. Have you sold a T-shirt yet? <laughs> Have you sold anything? No, uh, it's been uh, 16 hours and... Um, Are you so the I'm designer? Are you now officially a fashion designer? <laughs> Have you seen the way he dressed? The House of Jerry. The House of Jerry. Well, are we going to do a Milan fashion show? I mean, we've we've got we've got Andy playing. Uh, he's he's got the the This Is Hate City tote bag. Um, it's now available <laughs> on thisishatecity.com forward slash store, um, or should it be store dot thisishatecity.com? And then we've got John Curran. He's walking a you know a nice short tank top with this is Hate City on it. These are all things that are available on our store. Thanks, John, for the opportunity. But there's definitely there's there's more more of that kind of stuff you know to come because the podcast is at a point where it's grown and grown and you know there's things that we all want to do in 2020 through the podcast. It's just going to require some more capital. So we need more sponsors. We need more capital coming into the. Um, I guess the network to to enable us to do these things because we're not you know we 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 love doing this stuff it's it's fun but it also it's it's proven that over the last year it's grown exponentially and there's there's an audience there an international audience that we've we've luckily tapped into really well this year so looking at the the statistics and see what actually was the most listened to show um in 2019 coming in at number five we've got Gretchen Anderson mastering collaboration she was fantastic that was on power of 10 Andy wasn't it yeah yeah and then uh, number four it's magic ball and thinking and services um another great episode with with magic um that was deep it was a deep conversation his book is very deep and it's well worth getting um I might get through it over Christmas again. I'm going to have another stab at it. And the third, coming in at number three, is Liz Foslin, um, No Hard Feelings, Emotions in Design, which was from Cheech, who's no longer hosting, but, you know, it was a great episode. Um, you know, big shout out to Cheech and Liz. And number two, we've got Jerry McGovern, Top Tasks, A Method for Understanding People, Products and Service Requirements. Sounds rich Jerry. to me. Yeah. <laughs> These are a lot, there are a lot of ones of mine, and then number one, drum roll. We've got Kim Goodwin, decision systems and their role that are enabling human centeredness mm. to occur within organisations. And there's other like very ones you know, just below that. They're all very similar, like Jeff Godelf, Aidan McGale, Doctor John Curran himself when he was a, as a guest, Alan Smith, Joe McLeod, Leah Burley, and Aaron Walter, and so forth. Um, but it, look, it's been a great year, and um, there's there's more to come. So I've got an ask, actually, whilst we're going through this, which is it has been a great year. Um, and we never really do this on the podcast, but there's a thing that you could do, uh, which is mm. you, you, you go on your laptop or on your desktop computer, you go into iTunes or into the Google Store, and you leave a rating for the podcast. Because, it, it, you know, everyone here knows how the algorithms work. Mm. The more that yeah. people write a little kind of review and give it a rating, the more we kind of rise up and the more people who find us. Mm. Um, so that's my, yeah. my Christmas wish from the uh, listeners is to to do that this year and give us a little yeah, bump. Yeah, I'll second that as well. It means so much. Like there's, there's a, you know, there's lots of different platforms out there, but the one that really matters in terms of findability is the Apple Podcasts one. And I know you have to go and get your, you know, Apple ID and your password and log in and do all that stuff, but it would be a great Christmas gift for the network if you could go in and just leave us a review hopefully a five-star review <laughs> that would yeah, just be fantastic ignore, just ignore jerry and leave yeah. a five-star review anyway <laughs> five-star review 
So, um, so let's look at the, the you know the themes that we, we've noticed and that have emerged over the last twelve months. Um, John, you know you, you've you've come onto the podcast and you come onto the network. You know, one of the things that you're hearing um, emerge in the repeated conversations that we've had in 2019. Um, let me think. I mean, I think that one one of the one of the things that maybe I've been listening to and what I've been interested in are some of the kind of issue, some of the kind of conversations and things around around kind of especially around the customer and the importance of the customer. And and, wor- and mm. working with that, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm not coming from a pure design background. I mean, I'm I don't have any training in design, yeah. so it it it's it it's it's some of the things when when my ear my ears will always perk up when it's it's always about the kind of more holistic area of where design sits in. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting thing with me. I've always felt maybe I've got one foot in design, one foot out. Yeah, it's I think that's it's it's been there this whole kind of obsession with the customer trying to understand and trying to get better at understanding and what we do with that information is, is not going to go away. <clears throat> it's, it's critical to the, it underpins the, the, the whole discipline of research and design. It's only making sure that people actually do something with it. Cause very often I see people doing a lot of research work and it, you know, as, as a task, as something that you check off, but yeah. nobody really, um, takes the learnings and embeds it in the work that they do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that I've seen come up over and over again, that they're related, is um, that most design is actually sort of organizational design. Yeah. Um, so uh, it will come up in my favorite book probably this year, but it's much, much more complex, I think, than uh, is ever given credence. And I think there's a, a tension between speed and complexity in there, um, that there's this ever increasing drive for speed at the same time people and humans and humans in society and humans in context are are very complex and are in sort of complex ecosystems and i think it's very easy to your point adrian you do we do some research and then you kind of distill it down and synthesize it into something that's so kind of um superficial or or biased that you're just going ahead and kind of doing the thing you were going to do anyway Mm, Uh, exactly you've got some good stories and and I think some of the stuff, some of the, you know, some of the people that we've all spoken to on the podcast, um, you know, really showing there's a lot more depth into e- any one of those. And actually, I would have a wish to go a little bit slower. Um, mm, generally. Uh, and for teams to go a bit slower, or at least to take the time to have a period of reflection, because um, I think it's really important. I would agree. I mean, we're in, you know, we're somewhat shallow as product people, really, <laughs> compared to designers. Um, the depth of thinking. I didn't want to say. No, no, Adrian, it's fine. Yeah. I get it. You know, commercially <laughs> driven. You, you know, because it's all. You know, they're all services and not products. So. <laughs> oh, yep. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take the term liberally. I have a very broad definition of product, um, but I think that we're exhausted too. We're in the throes of you know always in delivery, um, always trying to make. Yeah product always trying to improve features and functions so that we can deliver some magical kind of outcomes goals which are really sometimes very vague but there's this drive to move faster it's incredibly exhausting yeah that drive also i mean it's very hard not to have this conversation kind of ladder up to capitalism is broken but there is that kind of drive of yes we need to bring out new features because that's what we need to we need to keep the marketing train going and so on completely because we need to grow there's this and grow yeah. 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 yeah yeah and i think i think i'm hoping that the conversations that we're going to have in future is about dismantling you know concepts of capitalism yeah they're very heavily featured in the fjord trends this year for that reason actually all, all those things yeah because i think we're just growing for the sake of growing yeah but um, it, that- it's really interesting it's those two tensions it's the the need for growing and the need to to deliver you know better more meaningful more valuable services for people is is where the tension's at and like you know a lot of the the conversations i've had this year are around embedding design and getting design into the organizations and it's that tension it's that kind of resistance it's it's the to change it's also like to to release the whole kind of power of the the capitalistic mindset it's you know it's kind of holding back the ability to actually adopt design um in its in its truest form the irony with that is that growth in that sense is you know you also think of growth as maturing and actually it's quite sort of immature 
right? So you've got this kind of pressure to grow bigger and get faster, but that's quite a sort of immature view of growth. And, and as a human being, as you grow and you grow, one of the things you do is kind of slow down a bit and you become more considered yeah. and lean on your experience and so forth. Um, and so there's a, you know, I would love that those two different definitions of growth actually kind of uh, met each other and combined again. Yeah, I think I think what I find interesting about this idea of move fast, um, I'm again looking at it holistically. If you look at the tools of moving fast, they all are packaged as products. So, like design thinking or agile, or, or you know, and the image is not about the mundane, but it's about something kind of special or fun or creative, mm. and you know, all these words you could argue are quite capitalistic in their own right. Mm. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the way the creativity has been packaged in the business world is all about that. It's all about productivity. Okay. And then it, then it seeps out to another level, which is about the well being of the organization, the well being of mm. how we were, you know, mm. so it's all encapsulated in this. We're doing good. Um, and we're thinking about stuff, but actually it goes back to Adrian, your, your point about it's the, it's the end product it's driving things out. So I'm kind of, I'm really interested in monitoring this about how the language is used, the imagery is used, the visual about what does design an organization mean? And if it's, you know, the, the imagery is about the kind of the post-it notes, mm. the, the templates that we huddle, we, that the language is very informal, you know, hustlings or huddle and, uh, you know, and it's actually, what would it look like if we just did it? I mean, just stripped it back. You know, what, what, mm. you know, what about if, I, if I've had a really rubbish day the night before and had arguments with my kids or my wife and come in and now I'm supposed to be collaborative? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. It doesn't work, right? Or I'm yeah. pissed off with my boss. Yeah. It doesn't work. So it, it's about rethinking this. And I think there are some organizations out there who have incorporated, well, you know, but it, that's the danger. It kind of it fits into this almost ideological narrative. But this is why design is organizational design, I think. I mean, I, I, and it's one, a lot of the stuff that I've been teaching is because I think, you, you know, everything is entangled, right? Everything is connected to everything else. Mm -hmm. And to use the power of 10 thing, which is that kind of zoom levels or Stuart Brand shearing layers where the, you've got the stuff in the middle moves quite fast and the stuff as you f the layers further out move slower. Yeah. I think it's really, really important to, um, ensure that you're aware of those uh, connections mm. and and design sometimes for those connections mm. and transitions between those different layers and mm. i think you know what has most obviously happened this year is the rise of consciousness about climate change i'm surprised actually i talked about it with joe mcleod a bit but i'm surprised this year we haven't seen more sustainability or circular economy um, conversations so that's probably something uh, we want to it's probably next year. something more, more for us to take on board because yeah, yeah. you know we, we play an awful lot of our biases by selecting these people and asking these people to come on the show like it, there's definitely a need there i can see from the community and speaking to people through slack and just generally there's a huge shift uh, amongst students especially coming out of university that are not ready and not willing to take the jobs working in that whole capitalistic world of banking and finance I've met maybe 10 um, students who just finished master's levels um, courses in Ireland and all of them want to use design to make a difference. They all want to do something to improve the system. And I'm seeing it more and more, especially through the release of getting started in design. Um, people want to get into design. They want to you know, fix things. They, they see that there's problems there and they, they just want to help and contribute to fixing the world. And that's something that I, I think, you know, for me personally, I'm going to be trying to approach a lot more um, people in the disciplines of, of behavioral design, cultural design, that whole kind of deep, deep learning and deep understanding, but also around the, the impact of design. So I'm going to be looking for people in the, the aspect of, uh, you know, where design meets the, the kind of the problem and what, how, how design actually helped improve that problem. So um, if there's anyone out there listening to the show, if you've got any recommendations for people in that area of where design is actually being used to improve a social situation or um, an environmental situation, please uh, reach out to me on Jerry Circus on Twitter. That's my, that's my handle. Or this is HCD. Just with some su suggestions, it'd be great. I think from a product perspective, talking about, you know, designing for good, I mean, we, we most of our work from are in 
for-profit businesses. Yeah. Um, there's certainly product managers in not-for-profit. But I'm not sure whether the tools that we use lends itself to designing um, a product that has bigger, broader impacts than just um, the immediate customers. It depends what level of product you're at. If you're a product director or a head or a CPO, you might might be able to get into those conversations, no? No, I don't think so. I've not seen it. Um, you know, and, and when I say that, I mean, you know, let's say, let's take something simple. I'm designing, you know, a website so people can buy some product. Um, but in in by doing so, um, I'm not thinking about, well, if I design this this website so people can buy physical products, well, what kind of impacts would it have, would those products have on, you know, my immediate community, um, my the, the economy that the, you know, the the environment that I exist in, um, I think we we think very small. I guess is the word, and it needs to be broader yeah. so that every time we make something new, it doesn't have a negative impact on other parts of um, the ecosystem yeah. that this product might exist in. Or not even existing, yeah. it might, um, but it has kind of more rippling effects that that you know reach out and potentially harm other parts of the ecosystem. Mm. But that that might come out if you were, if the research was broad enough and included more of the looking at John here, the anthropological mindset of of what it means and the impacts that this is going to have. Um, I'm sure that if that research was brought back, it might help change the conversation a little bit no, more. I, no, 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 I don't think, don't think so. so. I think we're very, um, I think we're very short-sighted. You think it's all no, it's, in the we're mindset? Just very sh- no, the we're very short-sighted. Just... We just want to push things out because we want to meet our sales KPIs. We want to meet our revenue targets. Is that a product thing or is that just uh, an industry or a social no, it's a, it's, um, trait? It's a, it's a business trait. It's it's how businesses operate. Yeah. So how can how can we fix that? Well, I think people like us need to to stop the process to potentially introduce different tools um, that consider other you know other parts of the ecosystem mm. that the product that you're putting out might um, affect. Yeah. So if I you know, and I did some work for a retailer, and it was moderate. You know, it was. It was hard work doing that because you're making stuff that you think, oh, well, you know, why am I selling that product when people clearly don't really need it? They just want it because it's, they've been told to want it. And so it, it's counterintuitive to your value system, Yeah, but you do it because you're part of the system. I think we need to at some point stop and say, hang on a minute. Yeah. How do we reverse this and, and stop putting out stuff that we really don't need? It's super. I keep on going back to that conversation, John, in um, service design days, 2018, when there was a representative from an FMCG. I won't name the person or the, the organization, but, um, you know, they they were talking about releasing these these plastic, um, you know, fizzy watered drinks. And they were called out on the fact that, do we really need this like is this you know how how about standing up and you know being counted for the impact that this fizzy water is having and the the destruction of our, our environment and our seas and and their response was like well i'm just one person in an organization and you know the person that re- retorted to that was well like you know you have the ability to transform and change the system like it's that's never acceptable and it's one thing that i I'm always saying to people, look, you, you've got a you've got a role to play. I think so, but I think I think this is where you know I already I'm hearing what Adrian's saying, and there's there are a few things, right? There's the design world making a difference, right? Making things that are good for the environment, good for culture, but in that way, that where I think design has a very strong position is almost like the trend the trendsetter this is you know it's a bit like futures or you know uh design interacts mm-hmm. this is you know not going to dystopia but kind of this is what we can actually do you know this is how we can create products that are good right for the for the for for humanity and also the environment however the reality is 
I think that that change only comes if big companies see the potential to enhance their brand. Yeah. Number one. Or number two, that there's legislation, i.e. Uh, fizzy drinks company puts too much sugar. So therefore, or, you know, or plastic is an issue. Right. You know, so this then becomes more of a political space and then design can come into that. And then those big companies can go to design and say, hey, we need to create better products for the environment. Right. So this idea of it's great that students are coming out and saying, I want to work in, a, in I want to work to improve the world. That can also be dangerous. It's a great ideology to have, but ideology in its own right is dangerous because yeah. often you, you've hit the barriers and you just give in sure, and you go with it. You, you, you sit then within reality. So it, it's these kind of, it's these, you know, when we are reading things around how design can change the world for the good, we have to, I think, see that as almost like a kind of uh, setting maybe where the marker could be or should be rather than us thinking that, it is design that can change the world. Yeah. Of course it can, because I think there's some really, you know, the brains are there. Yeah. But it's we have to think about legislation, politics, and also brand image that are the mm. key drivers within the system that we're talking about, right? It's and also going, where the money's going, right? Exactly, right? So if I'm a big company, I want my brand to look good. Do I follow or do I disrupt? And how can I do that so it's safe and I'm not taking too much risk? But also, Jerry, quickly back to your point about what we experienced in the service design days and that talk by that large FMCG global company, and when they were called out around the use of plastic water bottles, I also, my issue was the fact that their whole focus of this new product, which yeah. was a water, water, yeah, was directed at women. Yeah, young mums, young single mums. It's like, you know, so, so, and their whole, their whole storyboard and their cultural decoding was women do yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, you know, I just piss off. You know, and and and, it, and and the fact, you know, the you know, it it just yeah, my my wife's a yoga teacher. Well, no, I mean, no she drinks yeah, water, and, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure that, but I'm sure that I, look, I I work in this. I, no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, no, I, I worked exactly for a big fizzy company as well, right? So it you was know, very I'm, it was but, very simplified. It was very it was, and that's and, how sometimes segmentation works. But they were trying to almost it was presented as though. We're disruptive and we're giving ourselves a pat on the back as well. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you know, and, and and you know, I'd have been, I'd have. I was great that it was plastic bottles yeah. that was called out, but that could have also been called out as well. Yeah. There is a lot of hubris around design. I don't think design itself or designers are the kind of, you know, the saviors of the world. I think it's very easy for that conversation to kind of shift into that. Yeah. Partly because design is an act of looking at how the world is and how could it be different, hopefully for the better. But I think the designer superpower is the ability to make um, an abstract idea tangible in some way, in some, in some artifact that people can then discuss takes it from a conversation about ideas that you and I have in our heads and we can argue forever over to a thing in front of us that we can actually have a conversation about. And we forget, you know, even a sketch on a post-it note, sort of cliche wise, we forget the, the ability to do things like that or to prototype or to make a kind of simple artifact that you can actually put in front of people and have a conversation about is incredibly powerful and you forget that not everyone can do that. And I've really seen, you know, that happen where someone sketched something, go, what do you mean like this? And it's like they've kind of pulled a rabbit out of a hat. And, and it's like, oh, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a second bit to this. The bit that I was just saying, I think, is um, even in that half-bait kind of early stage, where often things get kind of uh, decided upon or people latch onto something or stakeholders latch onto something and we want that, um, or customers even. And it's not until you, you make a thing, you make an artifact, and then you show them and they go, oh, and now I've seen that. That's not actually what I want. What I want is this. And that is really, really powerful. And that's why it's so important to start building to think kind of early on. Yeah. The second part, though, to, to your point, Adrian, I think is you need to include some of those things in the methodologies. Right? So, and, and it's just extending the ones we currently have. If you're not in your discovery phase, in your research phase, if you're not looking at, say, as Joe McLeod would say, what, what's the offboarding experience? What's the end of, end of life um, uh, experience of this or end of service uh, experience like if you're not looking at what's the circularity of this or if there's a swim lane in your journey or blueprint around sustainability 
if you if you know that you're going to have to have that, then you mm. you find you you ask questions about that and look for that stuff in discovery. Then you start kind of mapping it in the, in the mapping, and that automatically flows into concepts and stuff, and that yeah. flows into the conversations you're having with clients. If you don't do that, well, then you never capture any of that data in the first place, so it never flows through the entire process, and it, it will definitely get lost because it never got in there in the first place. So I think there's a lot that you can do to just include that as part of your methodology as in the same way as you would include other things kind of automatically uh, and, and then it flows through but andy in the se- can, can that work um without having the backing or the drive from the client so the, in your pod with him it was a great thing about the l- end life of an apple product mm. but at the front end of the apple product we want the images of people queuing up through the night to get it right so yes, but then but if the client then sees you know but actually people really hated the end of life experience or the end of the service experience and they felt really let down by you and they're thinking at that moment of switching that becomes a kind of really powerful thing but unless you look for it and you ask people about it you don't have that data you don't have you're not able to bring those stories to the client in the first place and so here you know there's a massive opportunity here because there's a blind spot mm-hmm. that everyone else is missing that you can um do something about but but then again from my point of view around liminality and with um dr latisha mamoon but the the concept of liminality is this idea of having a sense of transition and pain right so you could argue from a brand point of view right that the end of life of something is there to have a sense of pain before you get the new thing which is the new product. And I don't think that's ethically mm-hmm. right, but this is where a sweet spot comes in from a brand point of view, where the customer engagement becomes even more rampant, more, more strong. It's not, it's not about it being easy. Yeah, but to your point previously, you know, when you ladder that up and look at the, kind of the pest, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the political, economic, societal and, and, and uh, technological and legal framework and environmental, one of the things that happens is as that starts to shift, and people start going, well, hang on, how do I recycle this thing? I never used to care about it, and now yes. I do. And if you don't have a plan for that, and mm-hmm. given the lead times for those things as well, if you don't have a plan for that, all of a sudden, um, you've, you've missed half of the life yeah. cycle yeah. in your design because you've been so focused on acquisition. We should probably uh, we should probably move on, shouldn't we? It's a fantastic conversation. But, but just lo- looking for the for the future, for 2020, um, what are we all focused on and what's exciting uh, in your year? There's lots, I guess. Uh, conference. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, there's lots, there's lots because there's so many parts to um, our, our little business. Um, I, You know, in terms of our conference, well, hopefully we can scale that and take it to different cities. Um, we did well this year to have a conference for 1,200 people. Um, in terms of training, there's definitely opportunity to scale product management training in the region in, you know, Australia, Asia. But I guess from a consulting point of view, what's really important to me is probably finding new methods, I guess, to make sure that the work that not just we do, but the work that product do, you know, considers that kind of broader ecosystem, um, you know, a potentially a new framework, a new narrative to address some of the issues that we're facing today as, you know, globally. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be climate, you know, I don't know, social impacts of producing bad products yeah absolutely yeah, that, that you know supply chains that are muddied with you know riddled with i don't know slavery yeah it's an heavy important. stuff but but no it, but it's i mean how, how can we i know it's a terrible thing but it does keep me up at night how do i keep kind of keep making stuff that really destroys yeah um the fabric of uh, our, our community and society and I think we just need to find a new way. That was one of the things that got me out of industrial design, actually, in 2003. Um, I had this moment of, I don't want to be producing plastic pieces that go into a into a hole. And then, hmm. you know, over the last yeah. couple of years, um, speaking with Jerry McGovern, you know, it's turned out that creating digital artifacts is just as bad, if not worse, than, you know, lots of the other things. So... I've decided that I'm going to become a hermit and I'm going to sit in sit in the corner of my garden and eat the apples that fall. What do you mean? That's what you already do, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, Andy. He's so rude. We have got a little uh, a, a little group that we've put together and we're trying to look at well, like what does product... Like the Beatles. Yeah, no, potentially. <laughs> hopefully we can see, but like... 
See, having having a, a conversation with Jerry is quite <laughs> difficult, isn't it? That's okay. But we've got um, a little focus group, I guess, a, a, a group of not-for-profits like World Vision and Red Cross to try and re rethink about what product management might look like in, in their world. Just on, on a side point there, like I, I did a shout-out last week about setting up more meetups. Adrian probed me and pushed me and said, look, you need to start, you know, you know sort of arming the troops sort of thing. And, um, you know, we've had lots of requests for meetups around the world and it's it's particularly it's, melbourne right melbourne is like there's four people within about 20 minutes hit me up melbourne that's we're awesome. ready because they've got ready. Great, great places to go with great coffee and food in melbourne yeah. as well so and i'm looking for somewhere in the caribbean um i've been trying to target <laughs> trinidad <laughs> yeah, yeah, and tobago yeah. with ads we, we've got yeah, one so listener it's, it's really sustainable Jerry, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we could have dublin sydney melbourne and there's one or two in Central Europe that are we're speaking with at the moment. Um, so if if you're listening and you somewhere in the south of Germany would be quite good. Yeah, and, and Innsbruck, Austria as well. Like you know, there, there seems to be yeah. people listening in around there. But like yeah, again, um, around the Black Forest would be would be handy, Andy. Um, if you wanted to do do a <laughs> meetup, my my sofa. Do it in the bakery. <laughs> I'll have a meetup myself in the mirror. It's like having a conversation with you over Skype. Yeah, so there's lots of lots of stuff. Um, you know, we're all focused on, um, but the conference will be the big one for me this year, and Andy's, uh, you know, conference director, and it's it's going to be, it's going to be a big year for this is HCD. So hopefully we can make this work. John, I know you've got an awful lot going on as well. Um, tell us what does 2020 look like for you? 2020 looks like for me. Um, I met this um, Irish designer guy. Uh, oh yeah. Who? Uh, no. Well, no. It, the, the the big news is um, Jerry and myself. We have we're in the early days of creating Design and Culture School, which is uh, 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 going to be a training program that weaves together the the world of service design with uh, culture and anthropology, and. Um, we're, we're doing this as a means because we feel that often culture is not necessarily the missing link, but it's a link that's quite weak within that whole design process. And if we mm. think of the, the double diamond or design thinking, you know, it, it's all about engage with the customer or people, but actually how you do it and, you know, trying to give some method theory meat behind the kind of process of decoding culture. So this is going to be a, a, a training program that's going to also allow people to really understand what culture is and how it works and how it shapes people's behavior. Yeah. And then how to create insights for innovation. Yeah. And, you know, with that then, so the world of kind of anthropology and service design are going to be joined throughout that whole process. So we are looking at now we, we, we're kind of designing up a five-day training course and then that's going to spread out over time into different types of training as well both uh public training but also in-house bespoke training uh and what we're looking at is that the first session will be held in london uh in march yeah uh, at the Jerwood gallery which is up near the tate modern mm, nice so i'll have to be come making some no we'll be yeah, we'll be making some noise about that uh, very soon. Yeah, and no, it'll be really good. And there's also just, um, as you're chatting there, it looks like we may have uh, the London meetup. Um, people have emailed in and said there's there's potential there to, to host it at a couple of places. So there could be a meetup as well for for us to, to be part of. So um, there's lots going on. And um, I know Mr. Plain over there, he's drinking. Dr. Plain. It looks like a bottle of vodka. But um, Andy... It's been a big, you know, five years for you. I can't believe you've been at five years of Fjord, but tell everyone what you've got planned uh, for 2020. So yeah, four and a half years. I just after four and a half years, I've uh, I've left Fjord. So um, I it's a tough decision because there's lots of lovely, smart people at Fjord um, and lots yeah. of friends. But um, I've decided to go independent again. Um, so I too will be. My role at Fjord was really um, teaching our clients and helping our clients set up their own um, capabilities in-house or give upskill or reskill um, their existing staff and so forth. And so coaching and mentoring 
providing learning experiences trying to kind of uh, training has such a kind of in the corporate world has such a kind of stigma but it, i mean it is training but yeah. it's, it's kind of providing the, that learning experiences so i uh, plan to be doing some of that face to face and bespoke for clients as well um again some of it probably some public um uh, workshops and uh, and some online things as well i have planned yeah um, and i'm, I'm going to take a little bit of time off before i get stuck in with that so it'll probably be sort of um beginning of the year sort of uh towards the end of february beginning of march that i'll properly kick in yeah. doing that so and um some more writing so my um i have this newsletter called doctor's note that i write and i hope to be able to write that a bit more regularly and i've got a, a book or maybe two planned mm-hmm. and what about the conference andy <laughs> well you've already talked about <laughs> all right yeah true <laughs> There's, there's and of course, of... I'm really excited to be uh, part of the conference yeah. that's going to be happening. When is Finally. it going to be happening, Jerry? Come on, one more time. So the conference is going to be on June 16th and 17th in Dublin. And um, it's going to be great to finally get Andy over here. We might try and get you over before that anyway. Um, just so sad stuff. Um, but it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Yeah, so we've got a little uh, conference site that we're in, in, in the process of building. We should go up uh, fairly soon, so you better start to buy tickets. Uh, there's already a post on This Is HCD if you want to sign up and get notifications about the, the conference and when tickets are available and all of that stuff. Yeah, and then we're going to be doing an invitation for speakers as well in the coming weeks. Now, I know people would be really upset if we just ended the episode here without going to Andy's book corner, but today it's a special episode for one day only. We've got Andy, John, Adrian and Jerry's book corner. We're all in the corner sitting at Andy's tiny little table for his tiny little feet and his tiny little hands. It's a busy time of year. He's an, he's an elf for Santa Claus this year. He's he's wrapping up all the presents. Um, so, Jerry, your your book corner, uh, tell me what that's, it's looking quite empty. Look, it's been a bad year for me reading. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, we we had, a, we had another baby this year. Everything went out the window. Um, you know, apart from my MacBook and a couple of mics. So I I've I'm probably about two or three chapters into just enough research. Um, by Eric Hall. Maybe that's enough. Start to read ends by Joe McLeod. Joe's got a fantastic tactic, by the way. If you tweet him and say, "Hey, I've just bought the the book." He sends you a direct message saying, I'm really interested to hear what you think of it. I'm looking forward to catching up with you about this. I'm like, I have to tell Joe that I read the book. So I am actually reading that book. It it moved its way to the top of the pile. But probably the book that I got the most value out of this year was Designing Foreign in Public Services by Andre Chamonet. I interviewed him on the podcast and it's from BIS Publishers in Amsterdam and really, really enjoyed it. It was really pragmatic and he's got lots of great perspectives. The big point out of that is the importance of framing in design. Um, so if you're looking to get a book for a service designer, a UX designer, a product designer, that I'd really recommend is Andre Chamonet's book, Designed for and in Public Services. What, what about you people? I'll go next. Um, I'm reading a book by Ben Horowitz. It's What You Do Is Who You Are. It's all about culture. And um, I'm very interested in learning how to build better teams, um, and so it's it's a very it's a very interesting book. Touches on slavery, oh, history right. of slavery, um, and uh, what's it called? What you do is who you are. Okay, nice. Yeah, that bit might be one that I buy. Mm, no, buy it, John. How about you? Um, I I enjoyed reading a book called Think Like an Anthropologist by um, Professor Matthew Engelk. He was at the London School of Economics where I, where I studied. And what's amazing, what's really amazing about the book is it kind of combines the history and theory of anthropology. So you don't, it's not an academic book by any means, but it goes through the big pillars of what anthropology is from everything mm. from culture to identity to I think there's one chapter on the meaning of blood. Ooh. You know, it, it, it really break, breaks it all open and talks, you know, uses examples from traditional anthropological societies to, you know, Wall Street banking, you know. So it, 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 it's, it, it shows how anthropology is, is kind of a very important subject throughout society, really. Yeah. You'll have to pop a link to that in the show mm. notes. So after all these years, can you actually finally think like an anthropologist, John? No, it, it it it's an ever going, ever going process. You never, you it's never, like you never, you, yeah, you never stop. There's no end product. That's why it's, it's, it's circular. Yeah, 
So um, mine, I think, um, uh, I also enjoyed Ends by Joe McLeod, but I think uh, probably Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan, who I um, interviewed on Power of Ten, yeah. was the the book I enjoyed most. In, in that sense, it's probably slightly narcissistic, but reading a book where I just kept nodding and thinking, yeah, I think like that too, that's absolutely right. And just hearing someone put your own thoughts into such kind of clarity yeah. and provide a kind of structure for um, organizational change, actually. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. And it was, it's a bit of a call to arms as well yeah. to, to change rubbish corporate culture. This could be the shortest Andy's book corner to date. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm, I've got that book. It's, it's on my list of things to read. I've actually given it to my wife. Your, your list of things to read doesn't it's, count. It's, my list of things to read. If it's we a have way like to Andy's sound list clever. of stuff to read, it's a kind of, you've got like a two-hour episode and we're just reading through a list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Jerry's, should we put Jerry's list to read corner? Do we have that? That sounds like a really exciting episode. I'm going to tell you a story what Andy told me in the in the car this morning uh, as I'm driving. How about plat- platforms to Speaking Jerry's of platforms? I signed up to this week. Extremely story, you know what? What a, what a fantastic story! He's just an amazing orator. He sent a message this morning saying, "Got this in IKEA in Sydney. Picture attached. Would be perfect to clad in foam." <laughs> But I can't find it here. This is the <laughs> ongoing search for a, um, a homemade um, IKEA hack podcasting booth. I'm going to cut this out. This is so boring, Jerry. Yeah. Yes, I think you should. <laughs> Look, I want to take this opportunity to thank all the members of the This Is HCD team. Obviously, Andy, John, Adrian, you've been you've been fantastic to to be involved, giving your time um, to create fantastic episodes, but a specific um, call out and shout out to, to Pete in Melbourne, who, who does all our podcast editing, except our Talking Shop ones, which is usually myself and Andy, because they ramble so much. Um, but then there's Klaus, uh, who does the trans transcription. We've got Josh, who helps with the website. Um, Aman in Sydney as well. Aman Brack, fantastic um, experience designer for uh continuing and helping us evolve the brand and making sure that we're not straying too too far and then it's obviously all the people on the uh the conference board helping us get to where we've got to so far so thank you so much it means so much and i know um you know you're delivering so much value to uh the network and i really really appreciate it on everything that you do and of course thank you to all of our guests um who give up their time uh, often at funny hours of the day um to do episodes and uh thank you everyone who's is listening i'm i'm constantly surprised and um joyful when i hear from people or i, I bump into someone and they go oh yeah no i listen to it it's uh it's really it makes my day yeah absolutely guys happy christmas stay merry safe christmas merry christmas you too happy holidays to you all too and uh yeah stay safe particularly in uh, in sydney keep uh, keep keep inside yeah keep away from the fires yeah. yes yeah. Bye-bye now. All right, take care, everyone. All right, bye.